0: Hey there, welcome to the Impatient Entrepreneur Podcast, a show where we hear from entrepreneurs and business owners who are chomping at the bit to make their mark on the world. I'm your host, Lauren Quedar-Cockerall. Now, let's hurry up and get to the good stuff. Hi, friends. You are in for a treat today. Or, well, I am. uh, Because while every guest is special in their own way, I'm not sure anyone will be able to top today's guest. I've known today's guest longer than anyone on the show, Since the summer of 1984, to be precise, I am the very proud sister of the one and only Greg Quedar, and I'm so thankful you joined us on the podcast. Greg, welcome to the show.
1: It's great to be here.
0: Hey, sister. <laughs> <laughs> hi. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, will you tell our listeners and mom, uh, <laughs> and, and dad, dad might even listen to this one. Uh, hi, parents. Um, will you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? You you're probably have one of the more unique careers uh, of, of some of our guests. So tell us, tell us about you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, hi mom and hi potentially dad um i'm a, <laughs> I'm a writer director and producer um uh, primarily of, of narrative feature films um mm-hmm. been doing it since 2008 mm-hmm. and um you know i i really pursue stories of uh of human connection and impossible places that um hopefully make uh our world a little little um more possible for us to see each other
0: mm. I just got hit with a wave of emotion just <laughs> all right, we are uh, a minute in, and I'm already wiping tears away <laughs> oh my goodness, um so I think. Sometimes people forget that that this is a business. I mean, you're basically, Mm -hmm. you are an entrepreneur in, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe not the same way as someone with, you know, a brick and mortar Mm -hmm. building with W-2s and 1099s walking in and out the door. Um, So while selfishly I wanted you on this show (laughs) so I could talk to you, I also love the idea of thinking about people's businesses that maybe we don't always like they don't always compute as a business. So yeah. with that in mind, yeah. A, do you consider yourself an entrepreneur? Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely, yes. actually. I consider I myself go- I consider myself a a, a serial entrepreneur
0: and <laughs> Yes you um, are.
1: <laughs> I've started run, run and realized at this point in my career over 6 businesses. Uh, mm-hmm. Each each film is its own entity. We create um, a sole purpose vehicle to raise the capital for those to mm-hmm. then create, the, you know, the the film, and then to exploit it in the market and to bring mm-hmm. it to an audience. And so, some you know happen relatively quickly. Most. In my case, tend to take a while, um, <laughs> many, 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 many years. But you know, and, and then, I, and then I have, you know, a uh, several other businesses that I've tried to start, i.e., films that I've tried to start that mm-hmm. may only ever live as PDFs and never as yeah. movies, and and then mm-hmm. I have some that are just on that gestation period and that will emerge in when when their time is right
0: mm-hmm the the incubate incubation period oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> so like uh, the incubators for all these yeah. um entrepreneurs out there well good so that makes um it much easier to ask my first formal question which is would you say you're an impatient entrepreneur
1: yes but um <laughs> I, I I feel like I am I, I I maybe not enlightened but I'm a more mature impatient entrepreneur I, I I'm <laughs> learning more about, you know, movies or projects finding their moment and kind of knowing Mm -hmm. when it's time. And when Mm -hmm. it's not, I used to try to, you know, will, and and there always is an aspect of willpower and and everything I do. And the sort of, I think, to survive in my particular business, which is extremely competitive, um, Mm -hmm. is the persistence element the endurance element and the the relentlessness it takes to succeed is absolutely there, but there are places to put your energy that are good places, and in places mm-hmm. where it's you're putting your energy in the wrong place, and it just kind of it can turn you cynical, it can turn you bitter, it can drive you crazy um, mm-hmm. because you're just throwing yourself against the wall over and over again. When maybe if you turn to the left or the right, you might have found. Uh, another path, you know, for mm-hmm. project or something else to spend your time on until that kind of moment hits the strike.
0: Mm. Yeah. Cause I am sitting here thinking, you know, control is an illusion, of course, mm-hmm. but it, in my business day to day, I have quote unquote control because if I make a decision this way or that way, there's an outcome. Um, you have a lot of cooks in your kitchen. Mm -hmm. What percentage would you say you control uh, or any of any given film?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, so I I have a, I think it's it's important to mention because it's absolutely critical to any success I've had is the team I've worked with. Particularly, um, I've had a, a longstanding creative partnership with an artist named Clint Bentley, who's also a writer, mm-hmm. director, and producer. Mm-hmm. And the way our relationship has evolved since our first film together, this movie called Trans Pecos, that came out in 2016, mm-hmm. but we had worked on for six years previously to that. Mm-hmm. And that's really where uh, our friendship bloomed and our, you know, the the way that we work together emerged. And um and and what's unique about a relationship that's very different. That we find in the film business is there's a lot of writer directors who have a producer partner. Mm
2: -hmm. You know,
1: um, there's a lot of writing partners, there's even directing duos out there. But what's unique about our relationship is that we both write together and then we're both independent directors. And so when one is directing a film, the other then takes Mm -hmm. a supporting role and produces Mm -hmm. the project, and then we'll Mm -hmm. sort of flip on the next film and Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's really dependent on kind of who usually originated the idea, who has it deepest in their marrow or their soul. Mm-hmm. Um, but as someone who's kind of grown up, always used to being in charge in some capacity, you know, captain mm-hmm. of the team or president of the student body or whatever it is, mm-hmm. that kind of... um I've become such a better filmmaker and 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 business person by having to learn how to submit to another leader and to learn from another leader mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and to take second position um, mm-hmm. and be in support of something and 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 when I came back around to directing my most latest film after having done that for been a producer for Clint, um, I was way more open um and and just at ease through the process and not feeling like I had to have my hands on Mm -hmm. everything control everything Mm -hmm. and I think it really showed in the final work Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that's a really I think in business or in art finding your lane and finding a team that can be the experts in their role and you focus on what you need to focus on is is Mm -hmm. such an important Part of figuring it all out,
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a couple there's a couple catchphrases related to that that i've I've really internalized like one is you know controller growth mm, um, love that. and um, and and that that has been really valuable to me um, in thinking about the power of what happens when you invite people into your process to expand the vision. Something you never thought was
2: possible.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's beautiful. I think a lot of people on their journeys can resonate with that. On, on yeah. either side, you yeah. know, like you can, you can yeah. hold on with a iron fist, and yeah. that you're gonna, you'll have a business. Maybe you'll love yeah. that business, yeah. or or project, or whatever. Yeah. But uh, yeah, as you, as you do release that control, you, can, you will achieve beyond your imagination.
1: And I get the fear because oftentimes our businesses we start or the movies we make, there's something really soft and it comes from something that's very soft inside of you and very precious. And, and, it's, and it's actually a place of love and vulnerability and in the, in the exposure to that and inviting in people into that. The fear is that they'll either take it or um, or they'll, or they'll Dismiss it, or they'll hurt it, and and I think a lot of our mm-hmm. desire to sort of protect that ends up compromising its ability to bloom and flourish. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. and also, I think about you know in terms of partnership, the other catchphrase sort of delegate or die, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. and and, <laughs> and and identifying what is the what is the skill you have that is uniquely that you sort of uniquely imprinted on you. That is like your special thing mm-hmm. that, um, that you can do that no one else can. And then there's mm-hmm. oftentimes around that in the, in, in the effort to have that thumbprint on everything and control. Actually, there's so much others that they're either people way better at that gifting than you um, that, uh, or you just, or, or that a lot of people could do, and if you delegated that, those other tasks, and you protected this thing, um, or put your time into this thing that's that no one else could do do as well as you on this earth, that's like a you know a path to, I mm-hmm. think I think big growth in the work mm-hmm. that you do.
0: Do you and Clint, having had this partnership for a long time now, do y'all have? written rules for engagement for your partnership as far as you know what i say goes here versus (laughs) here uh or is it all kind of organic and you just trust each other and away you go or
1: there's always been a period of growing pains we never i mean we we had sort of outlined um you know a vision and a mission that was pretty clear Mm -hmm. and And I think we knew what our particular strengths that we were bringing to the team were that in the sort Mm -hmm. of Venn Venn diagram of each other, Um, you know, for that really began in writing, you know, in in our early days of writing, like I was someone who was a story generator who um, really thought about also about architecture of like where a film was going and the, and the, you know the the sort of macro picture, and he was a master of you know of people and dialogue and character growth and thematic mm-hmm. resonance, and those two fit together so beautifully, and I think made our films so much stronger than we would be alone. And and you also kind of see that spin into our leadership styles as well, mm-hmm. uh, and the <laughs> producing and directing, you know, um, and he can. Be you know, like I always like say, like, you know, he's like a watchmaker, such a tinkerer, and I' to oh, work on every idea. little thing like over and over, and I'm just like a, someone who's just charging forward, you know, yeah. bring as many people <laughs> as possible. And uh-huh. that that um, there's times when it's really helpful for us to do just that to kind of just like bulldoze our way through an obstacle and then there's mm-hmm. times to like really sit and think and be patient and mm-hmm. um and you know calibrate.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I I know in especially in the business world partnerships can be tricky. And and, and from an yeah. outside view watching y'all it's it's always been so beautiful. I know we all have our <laughs> yeah. moments of. You know, yeah. Nee, nee, nee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, y'all certainly seems to have figured it out. Uh, Will you tell our listeners about your most recent film that we just got to see the premiere of?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so um, this is a movie that we've been working on for over seven and a half years uh, called Sing Sing. And it's the story of a theater program inside of a maximum security prison at Sing Sing in New York. It's one of the world's most famous prisons. And it's the story of this um, group of incarcerated actors who, um, every six months, they try to stage a play inside of Sing Sing. I mean, they've been doing it for over twenty years, but and have done all the classics from Shakespeare to On the Waterfront, A Few Good Men. But we are we tell the story of one of the only originals that they ever did at Sing Sing in two thousand five for two nights only, which was a, a time traveling musical comedy called Breaking the Mummy's Code. <laughs> and it's this wacky play with pirates and gladiators and the Black Plague and a Hamlet soliloquy and dance numbers and rap numbers. But but at its core, uh, the movie is about a, a real-life friendship between these two men um, who couldn't have been more different or needed di- more different things from the program, Divine G and Divine I, who, um, through the course of this production, um, you know, become something closer than family, um, and, mm-hmm. and meet each other in deep and profound ways. And that's, uh, that's a little bit about the film that we shot it. Um, the, the unique aspect of, uh, was well, a couple several unique aspects of how we made the film, primarily that outside of a few established actors, including, um, the Emmy winner, um, Coleman Domingo and Academy Award nominee, mm-hmm. Paul Racy. The majority of our cast are actually formerly incarcerated people who are graduates of that program who came back and played sort of versions of themselves in the film. Hmm.
0: It is... So beautiful. I I got to watch it for the first time, holding your newborn daughter <laughs> last mm-hmm. December in your living room, mm-hmm. uh, and just was so moved by it then. Mm. And it was, I, you maybe had some music, but it was like placeholder music. Yeah. Uh, no, no top and tail or anything. Yeah. And just was so proud of you then. But then to get to see it in Toronto with was it. 1,500 1, people? 1,200? 1, um, sorry, uh, yeah. embellishing. Uh, <laughs> never really got a, a <laughs> firm number on that. 1,200 people. Um, and the with the, the score and yeah. all those people watching it for the first time, mm-hmm. it, the woman next to me started crying halfway through and then didn't stop. <laughs> I, I was... I kept deciding whether I wanted to, you know, do I need to hand her this crumpled napkin that has popcorn juice on it or not? (laughs) Because she didn't have a Kleenex. Um, And of course, I got swept away and needed it myself. Um, And and then, what the credits rolling and everyone, you know, you got your standing ovation, Mm -hmm. which according to you and everybody else does not happen at at TIFF, Um,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. you know, four minutes long. And then when the audience realized as a credits roll that the men, were playing themselves just you could feel this like wave of emotion mm-hmm. roll off of everybody mm-hmm. and i'm like shaking holding my camera <laughs> <crying>. <laughs> mm-hmm. it was just oh man you know definitely a top moment it was so yeah. um it was so cool so yeah. um no let's I've, uh yeah sorry go ahead
1: uh, i was i was just gonna say just to add on to that i mean i've been doing this a long time and and i've been fortunate to have been a part of a few standing ovations you know for work that Mm -hmm. i've been involved with but there was something really cathartic and communal happening in that moment you know and i i mean i certainly the the film plays a role in that but i think also movies sometimes meet a moment you know and Mm -hmm. um and i don't know what that is i think people just desiring something more humane something that is recognizing that while many of the people in that audience probably most have never been incarcerated i think people you know in in light of the last few years from the pandemic through all the political division you name it um economic trials like we feel like we're sort of sometimes inside of prisons of our own design Mm -hmm. and, and and that we want we yearn for this freedom we yearn Um, For someone else to recognize our own pain and to reach out and say, do you need help? You know, Mm -hmm. and I think the movie unlocked something like in that, that, that was shared in this, in this, in this room. Mm -hmm. And then the greatest gift being that we had a lot of our cast who were formerly incarcerated, who were playing themselves. They saw that Mm -hmm. in the credits and then those people walked out on stage. Yeah. And, and and acknowledged to the audience uh, all those things that were being felt and put words to it. And it was just magic. You know, like it was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't know that I'll encounter a moment like that again in my career.
0: Yeah. And to be clear, you weren't doing these men just a favor to include them in the movie. They were outstanding oh, actors. Yeah. I mean you know i think that's mm-hmm. what took people by surprise was right. that these were these were these yeah. real men it was like holy crap yeah <laughs> they were incredible <laughs> yeah for a bit of
1: backstory you know i uh and and my partner clint um part of the reason this took as long as it did to come to life was the work that it took to one find a way to um tell the story and and in the most honest way and the most inclusive way but but it, and and the journey to that was um first by becoming volunteer teachers inside the program, mm-hmm. you know, and so mm-hmm. we taught acting inside of one of the maximum security prisons that this program RTA works in in new York, mm-hmm. and that's the first thing you recognize as soon as you're in the room is um, not is extraordinary talent mm-hmm. um an extraordinary desire for connection and to be present and to learn again and to be, to be fed, um, opportunities to better themselves. And that just kind of like that just carried on for these people who are part of this program it carried on as they came home from prison. And that, that is absolutely a marker of how they're living their lives now outside in the world. And so, it, yes, as you said, it was not a uh, not they we were not doing them a favor by casting this film like mm-hmm. they they lifted this project. It wouldn't be what it is without this cast of people.
0: Right. I uh, have two follow-on questions for that. One, remind me of the statistic of those who travel through that program, their oh, recidivism yeah. rate compared to those who don't.
1: Yeah, and just for your listeners who don't know what recidivism is, recidivism means Mm -hmm. uh, a person's likelihood to re-offend and be incarcerated again, usually within like five years of their release from prison. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: In our country, that percentage is over 67% of people will um, come back to prison. People who are serving long bids will come back to prison uh, within five years of their release. Mm -hmm. Um, graduates of RTA less than 3% ever go back.
0: Incredible. Yeah. The second, the second follow on question I wanted to ask was I know you, and I really don't know all the ins and outs of this one. Um, I know you did something different with how you structured pay around this Mm -hmm. film. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, this could be a whole other podcast. So I'll, I'll be, um,
0: I'll
1: be a, f- a little focused here. But, you know, we started on our, this is my third film with Clint. And uh, on our first film, we did it very traditionally. Uh, the financial structure was very traditional to how other independent films are made around the country, um, which means, you know, you, The producers essentially have the budget of a film, and they go out and independently negotiate with everybody on the movie, from the movie stars to the crew and so on. And, you know, it's all kept very confidential. Uh, You know, only the star and the producers will know their pay and and, and the star's agents. And, you know, that extends all the way through a movie and what i've found you know because i was a former accounting major before filmmaker and when i came into the business (laughs) another long story when i came into the business um one of the things i first realized was just the lack of transparency Mm -hmm. uh and and the amount of waste you know like not much really showing up on the screen and what was you know this idea that like every artist is sort of in their own silo and because they are, and they don't know, you know, the, the full structure of how the movie is operating. It sort of just creates a culture of distrust and, mm-hmm. and but it's also so baked. It's like everyone, lawyers, anyone, investors, anyone you work with in the business agents, sort of you just get told this is how it's done. Um, and so on our first film, we largely followed that, approach and you know it led to a budget that was you know around seven hundred thousand which isn't still a very low budget um and the movie comes out was very much an indie success story won a lot of awards was reviewed really well but our investors never made their money back fully um and we, were, we, we started asking these questions of like, can we lower the risk for investors? But then we were also looking at, at all of our artists and we we're like, can we repair some of this scorched earth? Can we make it a healthier place to work and, and a more transparent one? We came up with this model essentially that we did on our last film, Jockey, and then really scaled up to Sing Sing, ba- built on parody. Um, and mm-hmm. so the idea is that everyone on our film, from the star all the way through myself and as a director, all the way through our crew, our production assistants and entry-level positions, all the way through post-production, the, the composers, the editors, we all earn the same rate. Mm. And uh, and the only variable of someone being paid more or less is just time. We're still mm. saying saying everyone sort of intrinsically has the same value on our movies.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And what that does is it creates a culture where the best ideas can kind of come forward and be heard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that because it's not built on these sort of big stratified hierarchies that our, our business sort of has operated on for so long, and then we also collectively share ownership with the entire casting crew,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so it allows our budgets to be far lower than how they are because all the inflation that happens when everyone's in their own silos and negotiating mm-hmm. for their own rates it just drives personnel costs so high. So we cap those by everyone being on the same rate, but mm-hmm. then in turn make them more fair, um, for the people involved and they have lifelong ownership stakes in our projects. And so it's allowed Mm -hmm. budgets to become lower, but also have a real chance to really work in the marketplace. And our last two films, Jockey, previous, and now Sing Sing have, have already, you know, immediately at the point of sale turn really big profits for everybody involved. Um, and those, and then that ownership is there for
2: life.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I love that. And and interestingly, I'm reading uh, a book right now. um, It's from the scaling up ecosystem called compensation. And Mm. I was just reading a part about, you know, if you have an organization that thrives on competition, like, you know, um, like sales or something like that, then, then pay discrepancy is almost encouraged because Mm. they're competing to drive the project forward mm-hmm. but if you need collaboration to be successful mm. then actually discrepancy hurt hurts you just like you're saying so if you need people to work together there needs to be a lot of equity and parity um so i it's interesting mm. to ha- have you i've come to that conclusion on your wow. own but <laughs> i <That's, gonna> just <laughs> that's a really that's powerful the framing say device <laughs> yeah
1: i'll have to yeah. read more about that that's amazing
0: i'll share i'll share it with you yeah, no, I just, yeah. I, i'm thinking doing a lot You know. Um, really the the point of the book is uh to be very creative in how you think about compensation and that money Mm -hmm. is not Mm
2: -hmm.
0: obviously we all need to be paid fairly to Mm -hmm. have a living wage and take care of our families and all that but beyond that there is a tipping point at which more money doesn't yield the result you think it will that it's Mm -hmm. it's really about that connection about that that goal and everything so anyway um Mm -hmm. side note (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. um speaking of money something exciting happened for you at the end of tiff with sing sing
1: yes we um we were acquired um out of the festival by a24 which is um a a company that's only been around for 10 years but is doing you know transformative things in distribution and taking you're really kind of this bastion of independent film that you know in an era where so much of theatrical has gone to massive tent poles driven by comic books or whatever um, and the rest of the kind of thoughtful filmmaking has migrated to television. They, um, have found a way to bring people to theaters to see, you know, thought provoking, um, oftentimes dramatic, uh, movies that, that, Mm -hmm. you know, normally, you know, have been over the last decade or so have been failing at the box office. Mm
2: -hmm. They
1: found a way to really succeed. And so they, um, they really fell for our movie and uh, and it's going to be a very big priority for the company next year uh, when they release it. And um, I couldn't have more faith in a in a team that's going to care for the film with the same sort of sensitivity and love of which we made it. It's pretty rare mm-hmm. in the distribution game. A lot of distribution experiences I've had are pretty transactional. You know, someone mm-hmm. kind of acquires the movie and then they're like, you know, take it from here, kid. You know? (laughs) Um, uh,
0: Don't worry your pretty little head about that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And you're like, well, you know, I I, I feel like the filmmakers understand their movies better than anyone else. And, you know, Mm -hmm. yes, we're not marketers by trade or distribution experts, but Mm. um, I think successful campaigns really uh, listen to the artist's intentions and really try to translate that into those new mediums and outlets.
0: hmm Yeah. Well, congratulations. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. And I know Thanks. there are lots of people, there are lots of um, uh, potential suitors in the premiere yes, that night. It was, uh, uh, and, yeah. <laughs> it was a competitive
1: situation, which is, uh, you know, it's a, it's a rare position to be in when you have uh, multiple bidders trying to... Mm-hmm take your movie out to the world. And, you know, we definitely didn't take it for granted at all. Mm-hmm. And, um, and while a 24 one the day, um, you know, still a lot of love and respect for, you know, the ones that put their hat in the ring.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. So how do you, how do you find y'all's ideas? You know, what, how do you find mm-hmm. what you're going to work on or decide to work on?
1: Yeah. I mean, I wish, uh, it was an exact science. Um, (laughs) Well, then it wouldn't be
0: art. (laughs) Exactly.
1: You know, there, but, um, I think for us, it starts with the world. You know, it's a Mm -hmm. world that, um, we want to slip behind the curtain of. And oftentimes it's a world you think you understand, you know, that, you know, you think you understand prison, um, -hmm. based on the films that have been done in the can in the past, but, where all those movies went in through the front door, we try to come in through a cellar door or side Mm. window and present uh, a side of it and potentially a deeper truth than anyone's ever seen. And part of that process is just bringing almost like a journalistic approach to that world where what we like to say is we tell stories from the dirt up and Mm. we get, we're very interested in place and then the people that inhabit it and, we care a lot about those characters and like, we like to say we're sort of community based filmmakers and that's speaking of that, like transactional relationships with distribution, a lot of movies are transactional relationships with the settings that they operate in. And we try and create like a true exchange in those places. And, and, and and then from that, um, from holding these sort of characters in world sacred, um the thing we're not very sacred about is the story itself, and it could be it's the thing we're least precious about, and oftentimes try on a lot of stories to try to find the right vehicle through that world. But we like to say, what is the arrow shot you know through a world that that becomes the the narrative drive um and then the other thing that when we're looking at, like, what's a, what's something to step into, it's, again, these projects take so long oftentimes. I'm really driven by, and it's oftentimes a sense of when you're engaging with a project or world, will you have more questions at the end than you began with? You know, mm. you just get that feeling about it because there a well that's so deep that you'll never reach the bottom of it. And it's just the journey of discovery through it that's mm-hmm. going to feed you as an artist just as much as as you know what the ultimate result will be uh, as mm-hmm. a completed film to an audience. Uh, that the story of the making of it could be just as interesting as the as the film itself. Like you're sort of listening for things that could meet those criteria, even though. You know they're not sort of fully defined.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And are you able to share anything that you're working on right now?
2: Uh, let's see.
1: Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a couple things. Uh, one for for my partner, Clint. We we adapted a um, a novel by this author, Dennis Johnson, who um, you know is a National Book Award winner, a Pulitzer Prize finalist. And, um it's a beautiful book about logging in the early nineteen hundreds, but really, it's the story of um of this itinerant worker and his and his small family in the woods. They built this cabin. and um he keeps going back and forth from the cut, you know, chopping down these old growth forests. And on one such trip back, there's a great fire that's come through the valley, and his wife and daughter die in the fire. And his method of grieving is to rebuild their uh, their family home, kind of log mm-hmm. by log. And as soon as he finishes, um, he's visited by the ghost of his wife, who says, "Like this is what happened to me." But actually, our daughter lives. Mm-hmm. And um, and there's all these rumors that have been going around of like a kid who's out in the woods that's being raped, that's been raised by wolves, mm-hmm. and. Um, and so the movie is about trying to find his daughter. Oh, um, and, uh, it's a beautiful piece. Um, we're supposed to shoot next spring and, and then for something completely different, again, this gives you a sense of like (laughs) worlds. Um, there's a movie, um, that we've been working on for a while. That's, uh, about a secret government program <laughs> that actually exists, <laughs> that when uh, you know we're flying over a country, we're not supposed to be flying over North Korea, Syria, Iran, Venezuela, in the case of our story, and the plane goes down and you have to get your pilot out and everything fails, diplomacy, bribery, our special forces can't get there. The last resort is we activate an underground railroad of local citizens in that country, farmers, taxi drivers, tourism operators that we've trained to be spies, and said, uh, you know, the phone will probably never ring, but if it does Mm -hmm. and you get our pilot out of the country, you're an American citizen and multimillionaire upon delivery. Wow. And this actually exists and we have it all over the world. (laughs) And we wrote the script with one of the architects of that, of this program. So all the stuff is super legit in it. Uh, But really it's a movie about trust kind of in a world Mm -hmm. of lies. Um, Can, can people trust each other anymore?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Mm. Ugh, i really want that one to be made <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah
0: i want to see it so badly <laughs> yeah
1: there's potentially some good news on the horizon um okay someone very very amazing um just uh, watched sing sing this weekend um oh. and she's starring the film so
0: okay okay yeah. fingers crossed i know yeah. that's been a journey of its own <laughs> oh yeah
2: oh yeah
0: <laughs> Oh, what a labor of love every single one of these is. To, yeah. I mean, you know, kind of back to the first question, are you impatient? You know, mm-hmm. you may be, but you can't be. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Well, and I, I'm, you know, looking back on these, you know, that, that story I just shared, um, that's a movie that sort of has come together and fallen apart a few times now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, mm-hmm. And in one case, particularly brutally, you know, uh, I had that movie was set up with a couple of movie stars that had the budget. We had, you know, hired all the crew, and I was a couple of days away from moving down to Latin America for prep, mm-hmm. and the financing fell through,
2: mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and
1: the whole move, the whole the whole project kind of imploded, and mm-hmm. um, and at that point I was. Devastated. I was kind of like creatively eviscerated. I, I, I mm-hmm. felt just very empty artistically because mm-hmm. I was sort of like, this was like, this is the type of movie that should get made. You know, it's like kind mm-hmm. of like an action mm-hmm. thriller. And I've been working on Sing Sing for several years at that point, And everyone in the industry was just saying like, you know, it's not going to happen, you know. Um, okay. And if it, and the only way it's going to happen is if you make it like every other prison movie, if you have like shankings and
2: rape yeah. and all the other mm-hmm. stuff that mm-hmm.
1: um, you know has come to sort of drive a lot of stereotypes of prisoners. And I almost sort of made this movie that I just told about. And when it imploded, this big realization emerged of like, this was the one that everyone told me I should be making. And even mm-hmm. still, it's hard. And impossible mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I was trying to kind of come back to life again and think about what to do next, and I realized, and ne- you know I've been asking that question of what should I do next for so long?
2: Mm-hmm. And I
1: needed to ask a new question, and the new question was, if I could only make one more film, what would it be? And at that oh. moment, it was crystal clear that it was sing sing like that mm-hmm. was the one that was always in my heart to do
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, and so then that sort of showed the time for Sing Sing, but I needed to kind of go through those trials um, mm-hmm. and sort of face that, you know, I, I might, if I've made Sing Sing too early, I might've conceded and made it more like every other prison film.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: by trying to make something in the system and seeing it not work and realizing like my instincts, you know, are what they are. And if it's impossible to make either, like make the one that's inside you, uh,
2: right,
1: and uh, and I think now coming back to the the more this sort of more conventional but hopefully really special action-y movie, mm-hmm. uh, I really just feel completely at ease to just make it on my own terms and to and to trust my instincts and
2: mm-hmm.
1: not not really listen to those voices that are. You know, trying to bend it towards the traditional and to let it be uniquely me. Yeah.
0: Shoulding all over you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the shoulds when we yeah. when others do it to us or we do it to ourselves. Just mm-hmm. there's nothing. I don't have any time for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just potentially answer my next question beautifully, I but I'll, <laughs> it, uh, you may have another. You may have another story but just in case I'll ask it you can tell me if you already answered it but Mm -hmm. like what's one of the worst things that's happened to you in your business life that actually turned out to be like the best thing is that is that the answer
2: (laughs) yeah
1: and there's there's a lot of it's funny because there's a number of examples like that sure I'd say that Mm -hmm. that's the most profound one Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of there's a there's a whole graveyard of projects that were, um, we're in that this is what you should do next. Because what, yeah. what sort of happens, if you have any success, at least in my business, and I imagine this might translate to other people, is to make your first film and maybe to start your first company is
2: mm-hmm.
1: a sheer act of will of pushing a single rock up a mountain
2: mm-hmm. and then sort of pushing mm-hmm. it over the edge.
1: And if it works, um. Then, what happens? So, so the first film is like an act of obsession.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: The second film, though, or maybe the second company, is an act of discernment. Mm-hmm. And it can be way really complicated to know what's what, because now you have a bunch of people in success who are looking at what you've done, They're like, "Oh, I know what I could do with that, right? I know mm-hmm. what I could do with that artist." Um, mm-hmm. Come through my door. This is who you. This is who you really are. You should walk through this one, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 there's a whole hallway of them, and, and it goes on forever, yeah. and it can get very very confusing, um, and it's very enticing, you know, because it's like you just went through that act of obsession, that long struggle in mm-hmm. obscurity, and now people are validating what you are, but they're also trying to. Commercialize it and extract things that are very deep and pure, and create products out of it, out of you, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um, and so I think it's really important in that period of discernment, kind of no, understand, and identify a core purpose. You know, I always like say, you may have a mission statement for your business, but if you're starting a new business, what's the mission statement for that? I think you need an overarching yeah. purpose statement. Like, what is mm-hmm. the mission statement for your life?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and for me, I've, I have had one since 2008 wow. that hasn't changed. It's, and, but it's not constricting. I think it's very broad, but it allows me to sort of look at every opportunity and, and just check it mm-hmm. against what am I trying to bring into the world? And for me, it's to tell stories of human connection and impossible places. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and and maybe distilled a little bit further is like where's the light you know mm-hmm. pursuing things like not being shy of telling stories in darkness and about really tough worlds but are you bringing light into the world with your work
0: right right uh, and
1: mm-hmm. so there's a lot of stuff that comes across my desk and it always gets like every couple of years we put a movie out and then everyone in Hollywood was like, Oh, you exist again, you know? And like,
2: Oh my God.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so you get sent a bunch of things and a bunch of scripts, you meet a million people. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then they forget about you. And then it sort of (laughs) happens again. Um, (laughs) And I think having that filter is really crucial, you know,
2: Mm -hmm. I think
1: especially for your impatient entrepreneurs, like, if you get a success the next time, like you're going to have a lot of people who are going to be reaching out that want to partner with you, that want to mm-hmm. work, that bring you ideas that you could, you 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 really need to think about. What is that? What 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 am I? What am I? What's driving? What's animating? Um, my being to
2: to create.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. It's really good advice. Okay. So going back in time from when we were little ones, <laughs> uh-huh. what is something that you felt like people told you was a weakness of yours, but today it's really turned into more of a superpower? Um,
1: well, um, that kind of uh, relentless persistence, you know, I <laughs> might say like a fixation on things, but I laughed too, because I have a 16-year-old son who <laughs> <laughs> embodies some of these traits that can mm-hmm. drive me a little crazy. Um, <laughs> and, but then you see the strength, though, because it's been said, and there, there's this, I don't know who it's attributed to, but about Hollywood, is that you know, the ones who make it are the ones who last. You know? mm, yeah. It is a game of attrition, and, um, and it crushes you. It and it's oftentimes not fair, and mm-hmm. there's there's people who don't have the best intentions, and mm-hmm. it's hard to know who's real and who's not, what's real, what project is real, and what project is not, and what that can create inside of people is um, is it can breed cynicism,
2: you know, mm-hmm.
1: and turn you bitter. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that's the thing that you have to fight the most is to protect that that childlike love for it,
2: you mm-hmm. know.
1: And so I'm constantly balancing uh, that competitive drive. You know, mm-hmm. maybe put mm-hmm. a, maybe put that <laughs> put that <laughs>
2: to
1: further define my the persistence thing. I'm a very competitive person. Um, (laughs) Sometimes to a fault and sometimes making competitions out of things that should not be competition. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, You know, (laughs) that you could just, and and, and I look, I have some friends who don't have that drive, you know, Mm -hmm. and have built this really beautiful life of like not being, the striver achievers that need to conquer everything in their path.
2: Mm-hmm. And they're
1: just like, we have our house, we have our family, we have our paychecks. Mm-hmm. We have lives outside of work that are.
0: Yeah. <laughs> How very that, European is that, that, <laughs> that, that, that
1: a lot of meaning comes from. And I, I don't, I just sometimes, I, I really think about it a lot. I'm like, it's beautiful. You know, mm-hmm. re- a- acknowledging the beauty of that. And even like in the, entre- in, if you think about it from an entrepreneur standpoint, um, you know, what, the way way I, the way I, I don't, I, I think it is in me and I, I can't get that this drive is part of who I am and right. I'm not ashamed of it. And I think I, I have a purpose to do some big things with this platform that's building for a good purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, And I feel the responsibility of that, but what I try to take from that other path, you know, that, Mm -hmm. that is, is to see its, um, see its purpose too, and, Mm -hmm. and how, what can we learn from the people who aren't the conquerors, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and, and I think it's about process, you know, um, Mm -hmm. versus results. Mm, yeah. There's this quote from uh, Zen in the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Actually, I read it like right after college. When people read that book, you know, and, yeah. that sort of existential twenties <laughs> moment. Oh, yeah. But it's applicable today uh, to me now. I think about it all the time. Which is um, to live for some distant future goal is shallow. It's the size of a mountain that sustains life, not the top.
2: Hmm. mm Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, in a competitive business that oftentimes like
1: anoints movies and things with trophies and, you know, all that at the end of the year through a completely subjective you know, decision making <laughs> yeah, process, you know, yeah. you just have to start to look more about the,
2: the work being enough. The work, mm-hmm. the work is the work is the work is the work.
0: Yep. Yep. Mm. I love that. I feel like you've laid a lot of knowledge on us today, Greg.
1: Been <laughs> <laughs> stacking it all up for when my yeah. sister would finally invite me. Uh, yes, finally, yes.
0: My first Pulling invitation. it all out of
1: the bag. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I know. I've, selfishly, I feel like I could do a whole season <laughs> just interviewing you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, you've given us a lot to think about today, certainly. Do you have any other particular advice that you feel like someone could do right now today to make their mm-hmm. lives or businesses or projects or dreams stronger and better?
1: Sure. I would say don't keep it at arm's length, you know, mm-hmm. um, probably most people who are listening have a day job, you know, and this mm-hmm. is some um, big dream of theirs, you know, to Finally step out on their own and to make something, you know, mm-hmm. at least I deal with that a lot of, mm-hmm. the, is of the people that I advise and mentor who are, you know, have these dreams of being filmmakers or writers mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. directors. And, um, and I always just say, well, pick a start date mm-hmm. to make your film. Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it's not sometime in the future, it's not next spring, maybe it's not you mm-hmm. know at some point in twenty twenty six you know
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's may third yeah twenty four yeah and because what it what it starts to create is this authentic sense of urgency um, mm-hmm. and also what it starts to People want to be a part of a train that's leaving the station when you're saying, sure. you know, will you maybe do something with me in the future to I'm doing something. Do you want to come with
0: me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big difference. Big difference. Yeah. When I was starting my company, I was working with a coach and I had a had a baby at the same time and so I was just sort of coming out of this fog in the early part of 2018 working with her and getting my business kind of going and and I was working on my website and she said on March 24th or whatever day it was you're going to launch it and you're going to tell everyone that you've done what you've done like that was my assignment was Mm -hmm. picking a date and doing it and you know I'm not sure what would have happened if I hadn't had someone mm. saying, "This is the date. This is day dot. This is when it's happening, and you have to pull back the curtain and be like, whatever it looks like, doesn't matter. But you have yeah. to go." And I think that's great advice. You know, just, mm. just, just go. <laughs> just go. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, uh, so wrapping up, um, where can uh, I'll put all this in the show notes as well. But where can people find you online? Where can they watch your movies? What's uh, how can people connect with you?
1: Um, I have a website. Mm -hmm. com and that just lists that you can read a little bit about the different movies that Mm -hmm. that i've been a part of and um and then figure out how to watch them (laughs) um (laughs) I, i was just trying to think does it actually like link you to like where to watch them no but i think we all have Google and then we can use IMDB for
0: things yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Or just watch.com is something I use um mm-hmm. for movie titles that I'm trying to figure out where is it streaming or okay. do I need to rent this? And mm-hmm. that's really good for that.
0: Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Cool. Yeah. Well, and hopefully Sing Sing will be coming to a theater near you. Yes. <laughs>
1: I hope so too.
0: Well, I love you very much. Yeah. Thank you I love for you coming too. on today. <laughs> it was a joy. Thanks for listening to the Impatient Entrepreneur. Love the podcast? Be sure to share it with a friend or colleague or give us a five-star review on Apple. You can also chat with us on Instagram or Facebook at the Impatient Entrepreneur Pod. Want to star on a future episode? Head over to the Impatient Entrepreneur com to inquire. Thank you to the team at Quedar Co. for believing in me and bringing this podcast to life. And thank you to Carson Childers for mixing and editing this episode. Can't wait to see you next time.